2: Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. It's seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on a free-for-all, but not really Friday on AM 1420, the answer. The 16th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2021. Free-for-all, but not really, as I say, and I apologize in advance for that, but I'm just telling you, the news is flying at us faster than ever. Uh, on a daily basis, it really is. It's 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 a bear we're trying to manage everything right now. And I've got guests uh, all over the place who are very important to have very important things to share with us that we're going to be talking about. So the opportunities to call in today again will be somewhat limited. But I do really want to hear from you when you can. All right. And again, it's it's just a matter of pick and choose. Have the number saved on your on your phone. All right. On your speed dial or whatever it is that you have. Have it saved, that way when I say, okay, I've got a short segment here, I've got three minutes coming up in which I can take a couple of phone calls, you can go, bam, and get that uh, call dialed, all right? Because you're going to have to call before, between, and after the guests. Here are the guests. Coming up at 935, former chief of staff for Donald John Trump, the 45th president, also a former congressman, also the co-founder of the Freedom Caucus with Jim Jordan. I'm talking about Mark Meadows. Mark Meadows is going to be joining me, uh, coming up here to talk about uh, the president's return to public life by way of several rallies and a lot of interviews, including the one he did with me. And he's also going to talk about uh, uh, President Trump's chosen representative, uh, or would-be representative, rather, to boot Anthony Gonzalez from uh, being the uh, rep for District 16, Max Miller. Uh, So Mark Meadows is going to join us, because he worked, obviously. Max Miller worked for him. In the Trump White House, uh, with Meadows, of course, being the chief of staff, so he knows him a little bit. So we're going to talk to him about President Trump, about 2024, if he thinks President Trump is going to run, because President Trump said he knows his answer. He has said he said it on the on the uh, rally stages. He has said it in interviews subsequent to the rallies that he knows his answer, but he's not going to announce it yet. I think almost everybody thinks that's going to be yes, but we'll see what Mark Meadows has to say at 9:35 at 10:10. We'll get commentary from Christina Hagan, former Ohio State representative, on a number of issues, as we always do on Fridays. We bumped her to 1010 because 1035 was the only time available for uh, Jeffrey Parks. Jeffrey Parks is a surgeon at University Hospital, and he is a critic of the thin blue line flag that was flying in front of the police station in Solon. Um, his criticism of that flag, it is believed, uh, is part of what helped the mayor make the decision to take it down. And that, of course, has stirred up a lot of controversy in Solon and across Northeast Ohio since that went down earlier this week. He has agreed to come on with me today and discuss why he felt that flag was inappropriate to fly in front of a police station. Uh, And, again, I know this has been a source of a lot of discussion and controversy. I feel like we need to go, because almost everybody I've heard from, almost everybody is really angry that the flag had to come down because they're police supporters. Uh, Nobody's talked to the, quote-unquote, other side. They've been critical of the mayor. I have. Nobody's talked to the other side, the people who say they want it down. And uh, Jeffrey Parks is one of them. He wrote a very impassioned two-page post on the Solon Soundboard page on Facebook, explaining why he wanted it down, and uh, I want to ask him about that coming up at 10:35. I think you're going to want to hear that conversation. So, Mark Meadows, Christina Hagen, and UH, uh General Surgeon uh, Jeffrey Parks are guests today. And again, you can be a part of the uh, conversation in between, before and after those interviews. All right, uh, as it is 11 minutes after 9 o'clock, I think it's time before we start the news of the day with our pledge of the day. Please, Patriots, stand. Put your hand over your heart. Face your flag if you have one. Liberals, leftists who hate this country and believe in Marxism, who hate American capitalism and prefer Cuban communism, go ahead and take your knee. Go ahead and mumble under your breath about how bad this country is. Go ahead and pledge your allegiance to the National Football League, who thinks that this country is made of two different races, that this country has a regular National Anthem and a black National Anthem and will begin playing both this season. Yeah, you can tell I'm a little fired up about that. But go ahead and take your knee, America haters, as we play. I pledge allegiance to the flag. ...of the United States of America, and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible,
0: with liberty and justice for all.
2: All Alright, you know what I just did? I just talked myself into starting with that story, which is not the story I was planning on starting with. I'm just... I, I... look... I have been a football fan my entire life at every level. I I live, eat, breathe and sleep football. When I started my radio career 24 years ago, it was in sports radio because I love football. I played football in high school. I was a state champion twice. I played college football. My son, I coached my son playing football. He now plays college football and uh, I love football. I want so badly to be able to go back to watching football at the professional level. And they won't let me. They simply refuse to allow me to come back. Because the NFL has decided wokeness. The NFL has decided that social justice. The NFL has decided that division is the way to go. Now, we know that ever since the Colin Kaepernick flap started, the NFL has been in the middle of a lot of this stuff between patriotism and the playing of our anthem and rights to protest and rights to protest the flag and right, quite frankly, to urinate on the tree of liberty that had been watered with the blood of patriots for centuries. That's what the left started to do. And the National Football League, because largely even though they've been kind of starting to lean that way in 2018 and in 2019, this past season and this past, because of this past summer, the summer of racial reckoning because George Floyd overdosed on fentanyl and then was underneath the knee of an idiot for nine minutes, suddenly the NFL said, we're full on with the, uh, uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity nonsense. They're full on with the black national anthem and social justice messaging. So they are going to essentially declare that there are two Americas. There's a white America, and we'll have your, play, your national anthem, and then there's a black America that does not believe in the American national anthem or the American flag. We'll play one for them, too. This is an outrage... And I can't say it loudly enough. It is an outrage. It's not the only outrage going right now, but this one just struck me yesterday so hard because I was starting hoping I could get back to watching pro football. I, I, I completely uh, avoided the NFL all last season. I boycotted it in my own little private way. I wouldn't watch it. I wouldn't watch highlights of it. But then I got taken in. In the playoffs, when the Browns made the playoffs for the first time in an eternity and then actually won a playoff game. And then the other side of the story was Tom Brady winning his seventh ring for the, for the, um, 49 or for the 49ers, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I, I went ahead and watched the Super Bowl. And so, you know, I was starting to creep back because again, football has been in my DNA forever. And I was hoping that this year, maybe things would start to die down. They would stop with their social commentary and just let football be football again. But nope, the NFL, in introducing a campaign last month during quote-unquote Pride Month, uh, started running commercials online declaring that the NFL is gay. The NFL is gay, the NFL is trans, the NFL is basically Rainbow warriored, Rainbow mafia and i'm trying really hard just uh, they're just nodding to the to the moment it's pride month blah 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 i'm trying to just ignore the nonsense because again sexuality has nothing to do with pro football any more than race or social uh, circumstances do i want football to be my escape from those things i'll watch the lgbt rainbow mafia start their wars from Mon- uh, monday to saturday I'll watch the the lies about Black Lives Matter and their pro-Marxist movement and their critical race theory, dividing uh, people in this country and teaching children to hate this country, to believe that it's a system that it's a systemically racist and oppressive country. I'll all do the, I'll do all of that Monday through Saturday. On Sunday, I want to forget about all of that and watch football. And now I can't. Front office sports reported this week that the NFL has planned to make it a prom, uh, make the quote unquote black national anthem, a song called Lift Every Voice and Sing, a prominent part of big league events. The NFL is allowing social justice phrases like end racism to be painted in the back of teams' end zones. Players last year we were able to honor victims of quote-unquote systemic racism and police violence unchecked by the NFL last season. Unchecked. In other words, they got to put the names of people who were in no way, shape, or form victims of police racism on their helmets and on their shoes. People like Michael Brown, the career uh, criminal thug who tried to murder a Ferguson, Missouri police officer and who was shot in the course of doing so. They get to put his name on on helmets and on shoes and so forth. And several others who had absolutely no nothing to do whatsoever with police racism or, or systemic police violence or whatever they want to call it. Now, let's up the ante a little bit. The National Anthem is usually only heard before early season games or some prime time games on television. Also at the Super Bowl and in the NFL draft. Lift Every Voice and Sing was played before the Super Bowl this past year in January or February and before the draft uh, in April. The league made the decision to play Lift Every Voice and Sing before week one games last year. And now... Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, says, we, the NFL uh, National Football League, believe black lives matter. I personally protest with you and want to be a part of much-needed change in this country, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, bowing and kowtowing to the movement of the moment. Without black players, he said, there would be no National Football League, and the protests around the country are emblematic of centuries of silence, inequality, and oppression of black players, coaches, fans, and staff. And I can't read this stuff without just my blood pressure popping over the 180 mark. Oppression of black players? The National Football League is 75% black. And the league minimum salary for a guy who's just clinging to a roster spot, minimum salary is over $500,000 of oppression a year. The league's average salary is millions of dollars a year. The league's highest salaries paid to almost exclusively black players are tens of millions of dollars of oppression a year. Stop telling me about how terrible life has been in a free market capitalist society that allows people of all colors to rise up and use their talents and to earn themselves millions of dollars of generational wealth. Stop trying to tell me that the United States is half white and half black and therefore needs two anthems. We are not African American. We are not Caucasian-American. We are American-American. And there is only one American-American anthem. And that is the Star Spangled Banner, our national anthem, that is written for all of us, that is said for all of us. Because there is nowhere on this earth other than the nation that flies the American flag and plays that American national anthem that allows people who are of color, as they are termed today, to survive and to thrive like they can in that nation. None. I would urge every person who wants to hear a separate black national anthem played before national football games to go to another country and find the opportunities that are there for black people that exist as well as they do here in the United States of America. If you think there should be a black national anthem, go find an all-black nation where you have the same opportunities that you have here. White children, black children, brown children, children of all ethnicities have glorious opportunities here because we are not, a systemically racist or divided nation. We are a systemically opportunistic nation, a nation that gives everyone the opportunity to not only survive, but to thrive and to pursue a dream that doesn't exist in any other country. Roger Goodell, NFL owners, NFL general managers, NFL coaches, NFL players – And since I'm going to say it, I'll expand it to all of the other sports and all of the other uh, people in the entertainment industry and Hollywood in music. I will ask all of you this question. Have you ever heard anybody talking about the French dream? How about the Swiss dream? How about the Cambodian dream? How about the Russian dream? How about the Spanish dream? Has anybody ever said to you, the Nigerian dream is what we are striving for? Has anybody ever said, I want the Australian dream? Those phrases don't exist. The only phrase that exists is, we want to pursue the American dream. And that's because the American Dream is available to everybody, of all colors. And the National Football League damn well knows it. And I've had enough of the denigration of my country to the point where they're taking away the things that I enjoy. I enjoy football, but I revile the National Football League. It's 9 We'll be back.
0: It's not in the way you've been treating my friends It's not in the way that you said to him.
2: Okay, it's 927. You know, I did not intend to do all of that. I really wanted to get into Joe Biden. Almost in a treasonous act. Because this completely uh, damages the United States of America in the face of our enemies. It really does. It's almost aid and comfort to the enemy for Joe Biden to ask a corrupt United Nations to come to the U.S. and confirm American racism and oppression of its own people. Joe Biden has asked the U.N. to confirm American oppression of its own people. I think that is borderline treason. I wanted to get into that. I wanted to get into the Cuban story a little bit more. I got so many things. The White House colluding with Facebook to target posts and remove free speech uh, online if it has to do with vaccinations. There's so many things I want to get into, but I just really am flummoxed over this uh, this uh, National Football League thing. Look, my son is a Division One college football player. Now, he's a freshman. Uh, and his freshman year is getting off to a rough start because he's got mono. <laughs> about that, he reported to camp and he's got mono. He's going to miss a few weeks, so it's kind of stinks. But anyway, uh, he has a dream like you know so many other kids uh, who grow up and get an opportunity to play Division I football to someday play professional football. Now it's a long shot, obviously. But do you know how much this conflicts me? What if my son or just someone else I care about makes it to the National Football League? I want to be able to cheer them on. I want to be able to be a huge supporter. And I can't even watch the games on Sunday because of what they're doing to us with this racial nonsense. It's just so frustrating. Todd is in Cleveland. He's going to call in before the bottom of the hour. Hi, Todd. Go ahead.
0: Yo, Bob, Yo. although I share a little bit of what you're describing. You better share of all
2: of what I'm describing, Todd. This is you know, My message is the most unifying message out there as they try to divide us. You're a black man. I'm a white guy. We should be arm in arm saluting the American flag and telling the NFL we have one anthem in this country.
0: Yo, man, I got field level seats on September 26th for the Browns Bears. I only share a little bit. <laughs> man, I'm going to that game. So, you, you can protest the NFL if you want to, but I ain't passing up no field-level seats on the 40-yard line for the Browns Bears. I
2: wish I could sit next <laughs> to you, man, because I love football so much. I would love to. I'm not kidding, Todd. I would be with you because I love the game, and it causes me great consternation and pain and and sadness to know that I'm not going to be able to watch it again this year, but I have a principle that higher than my love of the game uh and i you know what you i know you're a good guy i know you are we almost agree on almost everything a lot of times we'll get into some really good debates you're a good person and i respect the hell out of you um and and i'm not going to judge you for watching this but i know that you love this country too and i think you should i think i think everybody should do their part to register their dissatisfaction with the divisiveness the nfl is pushing
0: I have a healthy appreciation for my country. Love would be an exaggerated statement, but I do want to make this last comment. You were close. They actually make six hundred and sixty thousand dollars minimum salary. That's the minimum. I said uh, over five hundred, so yeah, that is over five.
2: But it's, it's more con- than I thought.
0: All college dropouts may apply. You could even flunked out, and you yeah, can be I a know. starter. In the All right.
2: Todd, I appreciate the call. <laughs> i got to go, man. Uh, disappointed to hear you say it's a strong appreciation for but not love of this country. I would not have guessed that after our conversations. I thought you were stronger than that. All right, let's get a time out for news. Talk to Mark Meadows after.
0: Question for Bob? A comment? A complaint? Hit up the Authority Message Line. Call 216 525 1806 and make your voice heard. That's 216 525 1806. Call the Authority Message Line.
2: All right, 936, we continue. Good Friday to you. Thanks for being with us. I want to welcome out of the program a very special guest. He is the former chief of staff for the 45th president of the United States. Proud of that, of course, a highly respected uh, U.S. Uh, representative from North Carolina, his 11th congressional district. And he was the co-founder, along with our very own Jim Jordan, of the House Freedom Caucus, Mr. Mark Meadows, joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. Mr. Meadows, good morning. How are you, sir?
0: Good morning, Bob. It's great to be with you and all the listeners there in the uh, greater Cleveland area.
2: Yeah, well, it's it's great to have you. You know, uh, your role as uh, chief of staff for President Trump at the end of his term, the uh, last year and a half or so of his term, gives you really great insight into the mind of the man. And I tell you what, this is what everybody wants to know, Mister Meadows. I'm gonna. Uh, I actually got to interview your former boss, uh, President Trump, uh, about two weeks ago, and I asked him about his plans for 2024. He was a little coy, but here's what he said.
0: Well, I'll tell you this. I think you're going to be very happy. Uh, I feel great. We have tremendous support in the polls. I've never had support like I have now. I've never had support like I have now. And in the Republican Party, when you get a 95 and a 96 approval rating, you know, it's great stuff. It
2: is great stuff. He had great stuff at CPAC as well in the straw poll. So, Mark Meadows, what is your insight on into the decision making of former President Trump about 2024?
0: well i i get the privilege of not only of working uh, working for the president uh, in uh, his last year in office uh uh, may I say, maybe his last year in office uh, from a temporary standpoint. And, uh, <laughs> and, and honestly, I get to talk to him on a regular basis. Talked to him three or four times yesterday. Uh, he's obviously the one that has to make any final decision on whether he's going to run. But I can tell you this, uh, I am, I am getting prepared. Uh, we are making preparations. And if I had to, uh, Bet on whether he runs or not. Uh, the chances of him running uh, are are close to hundred percent. So I think it's not the last that you've seen of uh, President Trump in Ohio, but it's not the last that you've seen him on a ballot either, in my opinion.
2: Well, that's that is going to make a lot of people in this state very very happy. A lot of you know he carried Ohio obviously about by about eight and a half points. Did so the first time around in twenty sixteen too. So he's extraordinarily popular here. Is America First? Going to survive Donald Trump, whether he wins another term as president or not, it it feels like that even you know six months after the election, uh, the last election, the the sham election, if you, if you want to be honest about it. But it feels like it doesn't matter if President Trump uh, is there or not. The the legacy that he has, or maybe rather the legacy than the legacy, the path forward that he has carved out with America First is is being implemented and is being copied by conservatives all over the country. Well,
0: it is being implemented, and obviously he, as a leader, was able to not only espouse those values but make sure that that America could once again uh, be proud of who they are as Americans and not have an apology to her like we had for the, the previous administration before he got in there. But I can say this, that uh, America First and that particular uh, way of, of thinking is here to stay in Washington, D.C., but it's here to stay in Ohio and places around. You know, your listeners right now, the ones that are tuned in, they like the fact that uh, we're putting a priority on what matters to them, whether they're hardworking uh, Americans or whether they're retired or whether they're new, uh, new individuals just getting into the, the marketplace, they want to make sure we have a strong economy, that we salute our flag, that we love our country, and that we, we love patriots. And so uh, the president made, uh, made that very obvious, and it is here to stay, Bob.
2: No question about it. We're talking with former Trump Chief of Staff and former Congressman Mark Meadows. Uh, Mr. Meadows, you know, Joe Biden continues to push this ridiculous uh, description of, of uh, you know, America, states, United, let me do that again, red states that are trying to uphold voter integrity to make it harder to cheat, but easier to vote. He continues to call this Jim Crow in the 21st century, saying there's an attack on voting rights in America. This after, of course, the shenanigans that we also play out on November 3rd, and we're still seeing through the audits what really happened there. What is your takeaway from the left's attempt to deter or to describe uh, American democracy as being attacked by conservatives who simply want fair and accurate voting?
0: Well, we do want just fair and accurate voting, and you said it—you uh, know, hard to cheat easy to vote. That's what we want. But, you know, it's, that's not good enough for some of the, the Democrats, especially Joe Biden and, and those that are at 1600 Pennsylvania right now. Really what they want is they want to tip the scale to have their advantage, to be able to make sure that uh, they can turn out their voters. Uh, for me, I, I want to trust the American people from coast to coast, uh, from the heartland of our country like Ohio and places like that where, where you can say, I'm going to trust the american voters to make the right decision ohio's done it uh multiple times they're a bellwether state and uh when you understand what matters to the folks in ohio uh just let them show up the polls but but when you have this way of of actually trying to uh Rigged the system, as as President Trump would say, uh, it, it is it is not what uh, we are about as Americans. And, and candidly, uh, simple things like voter ID. I mean, uh, you and I both know that we have to have IDs to do almost anything. And uh, yet, in many states, uh, Democrats are challenging uh, the very fact that you have to have an ID and prove that you are who you are before you vote.
2: Uh, Mr. Meadows, how how insulting is it when you listen to Joe Biden and the left uh, continue to display the bigotry of low expectations when it comes to black voters, suggesting that, you know, voter integrity laws that may require you to show your ID or basically just prove who you say you are, that that is something that African-Americans have a harder time doing. They're less capable of of, of showing who they are and uh, and casting fair ballots.
0: Uh, listen, uh, you know, we, we need to be, judge people on the content of their character, and sadly what we're seeing is, is somehow thinking that uh, one people group or another uh, are disadvantaged because of, of what they may or may not do in, in itself. That is not only improper, but it, but it is showing a a, a bias and and really a, a a racist mentality to suggest that that someone is more disadvantaged than a, than another when it comes to uh, low barrier thresholds. And so I, I can tell you, it uh, you know whether it is in North Carolina or Ohio or any other state, uh, we want to make sure that every American has the opportunity to vote and uh, that there are no barriers to that. But at the same time, we want to make sure that no one can cheat. And what we've done is we've created a situation where uh, fraud is too easy uh, to perpetrate uh, in in our elections. And our elections need to be sacred and sound. And uh, and candidly, uh, we're doing work to make sure that that uh, happens in 2022 and 2024 and beyond.
2: Yeah, and in 2022, this is the most crucial midterm election, I think, in most of our lifetimes. We have to stop the Biden agenda by winning back control of the House and the Senate. And to that end, I want to ask you about uh, Max Miller, because he uh, was a staffer in the White House for President Trump. He is now obviously a candidate for the seat currently held by Anthony Gonzalez, who inexplicably voted to impeach uh, President Trump, or at least to send that to the Senate without due process. You, uh, as Chief of Staff, of course, you know, were essentially the of Max Miller now he's running for that seat what can you tell us about him from your time working with him
0: well Max was my go-to guy you know it's I was so infuriated and I appreciate you asking the question I'm glad that I'm on to answer this question because I've heard that Anthony Gonzalez has uh, uh, diminished the role that Max Miller had in the White House well yes. let me just tell you Max was my go-to guy if there was ever a problem, It was, uh, whether it was rallies they were going, the logistics, Max was the guy. In fact, so much so that the president entrusted him. We had multiple meetings in the Oval Office to talk about logistics. And here's the other thing with Max. If there was a problem, even if it wasn't his personal responsibility, he took personal uh, the, the personal blame for it. And I can remember a couple of times where where I got upset that we needed to do something. He said, sir, it'll never happen again. I take responsibility. And I knew at that time that actually it was somebody else on the staff. So for Anthony to, to say that is just wrong. Uh, I, I can tell you, I know Anthony. I served with Anthony. Let me tell you, it doesn't come as a surprise that he's saying this because Anthony Gonzalez, get this, when he came in, we served together his freshman year. He actually co-sponsored more Democrat bills than he did Republican bills. So it doesn't surprise me that we're seeing the color of this. The record speaks for itself. And honestly, if you talk about an Aaron boy, uh, you know we we've, we've got somebody in Anthony Gonzalez that that actually uh, is an Aaron boy for the Democrat.
2: Wow, that is that is uh, incredibly well stated. I because I, 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 I so many of us you know really liked Anthony when he was elected, and I talked to him on this program a few times after his election, and uh, uh, just disgusted by his behavior in office, his decision to impeach the president uh, and join the Democrats there, and then as you say to say some of the scurrilous things that he's saying about um, about Max Miller right now is just uh, it's beyond the pale. Uh, before you go, Mr. Meadows, and none of your time is limited. I have to ask you this: I've always wanted to ask you this since you made the decision to leave your office and to join President. President. President Trump as his chief of staff, I know what a great job you did, and I know why he trusts you, and I know why you would want to go and serve in that capacity. However, now that that is over, at least for the time being, temporary, I think is the word you used before, potentially, do you have any regrets that you're not in Congress right now continuing to fight the Dems agenda?
0: Well, let me tell you the only regret I have uh is is really that I'm not in Congress fighting along uh side my best friend Jim Jordan uh, cuz we uh uh I we still talk on a daily basis Jim is uh fighting the good fight so I do miss that but uh, I'm I'm a couple of blocks from Capitol Hill right now. We're working strategically behind the scene with conservative members. We're hopeful that Max Miller will join them. And I can tell you, it's not the last you've seen of Mark Meadows, but it's also not the last you've seen of President Donald Trump. So uh, we've got good plans ahead. Uh, I'm going to be working with the president to make sure that that America First agenda gets done.
2: Well, Mr. Meadows, I live in Ohio 4, which means I get to vote for Jim Jordan every two years. So I will tell you this, any friend of Congressman Jordan is a friend of mine. So thank you very much for uh, for being here and speaking on behalf of Max Miller and behalf of President Trump as well. Please keep fighting the good fight, and thank you so much.
0: All right. Thank you, Bob. It's great to be with you and all the listeners. God bless you, and uh, God bless America.
2: Thank you so much. You know, he beat me to it. I was going to say, God bless you, Congressman. (laughs) Uh, Former Congressman and former Chief of Staff. Uh, Mark Meadows is every bit the fighter that Jim Jordan is. You know, we talk to Jordan every Monday on this program, as you know, and I have for the last, what, five years, every Monday, and we get real answers from Jim Jordan and we love him. Mark Meadows is almost a carbon copy. They co-founded the the uh, Freedom Caucus together, as I mentioned. Uh, each has been the chair of the Freedom Caucus uh, during their time. And um, Mark Meadows, I re- like I said, and I don't mean this to be in disparaging in any way. He he was asked to serve President Trump as chief of staff, and he did. And that's a glorious thing. That's a that's a truly selfless act by by Mark Meadows. Because if he stayed in Congress. If he declined that invitation to join the Trump team as chief of staff, he would have been reelected every two years in perpetuity. Now, not that I like that because I'm for term limits, but as long as things exist the way they are now, I would love to have had Mark Meadows continuing to be elected in uh, in North Carolina time after time after time because he's such a great conservative fighter. So it was a real selfless act of his to give up that almost certain reelection every two years to go and join President Trump and then have to win that election of course and we know what happened on November 3rd so deep deep respect for mark meadows okay 949 we'll take a time out here i told you to pick and choose your spots if you want to get a call in this is the time 2169010945 right after this Okay, nine fifty three. We continue on this free for all Friday. I got time for a couple of calls right now, but you got to make them quickly. Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five or triple eight two eight one eleven ten. Mark Meadows is terrific. Um, and by the way, if you didn't know what he was talking about in the uh, part of the conversation where I asked him about Max Miller, because he worked in the you know in the Trump White House with Max Miller. And, you know, and I say this with a lot of respect for Max Miller. Uh, that does not mean, you know, um, I'm disparaging anybody else in the race except for the the incumbent, Anthony Gonzalez. I like Max. I also like Jonas Schultz. What I don't like is Anthony Gonzalez sitting in his um, seat in Ohio 16 disparaging Max Miller by calling him an errand boy, saying that he did nothing and offered nothing of substance uh, to the Trump White House because the... Flat fact of the matter is, Anthony Gonzalez was not in the Trump White House. He was in Congress. Mark Meadows was in the Trump White House. And in fact, he ran the Trump White House. He was the chief of staff in the Trump White House. So if anybody knows what Max Miller's responsibilities were and how well he carried them out, it would be whom? Would it be Mark Meadows or would it be Anthony Gonzalez? It's obviously, you know, Mark Meadows and Anthony Gonzalez is trying to stem the the tide of uh, you know, of anger and and disgust with him among voters in in Ohio 16 by attacking Max Miller who is President Trump's endorsed candidate. You know, Anthony Gonzalez is in, is in some serious trouble as he should be. Anthony Gonzalez voted to impeach President Trump without due process. It was it was one of my you know, it's funny, I had an interview I had an interview with uh, Jane Timken uh, back in April in which, uh, quite frankly, I had to ask her about her support for Anthony Gonzalez, and I think it kind of broke her uh, because I, I called her on her direct quotes, and I don't think her campaign has ever recovered. She's in a bad way right now. She has spent so much more money in the Senate race than anybody else thus far in the Senate race, um, and she is... Flagging. I mean, just doing terribly in the polls. She is failing. And there are some who say she's going to end her campaign sooner rather than later because she can't win. And I feel like the conversation I had with her probably had something to do with that. Well, I like to think, and maybe this is self-important, and I apologize for that if it shows a lack of humility, but I like to think that my conversation with Anthony Gonzalez prior to that had a similar uh, effect. I interviewed Anthony Gonzalez right after literally the day after he voted to impeach Donald Trump and send uh, the president um, send the president uh, uh, send the case to the Senate for trial and i 'm just going to tell you it did not go well for Anthony Gonzalez because I asked him very directly. Uh, about his attacks and about his words. And, and to so, for some, they told me directly they would never vote for him again after hearing that. If my interview with Anthony Gonzalez helped to start the end of his career, I will feel very, very good about that. Because he should not be in Congress after what he did. If the conversation I had with Jane Timken about her support for Anthony Gonzalez and her anti Trump uh, statements, her pro Gonzalez statements, ends her career or campaign, I will feel very proud of that as well. There are patriots in these campaigns or in these fi- election fights, in these primaries that we can support. And I think it's very important for us to determine who is a patriot and who is a fraud. Anthony Gonzalez to me is a fraud. Jane Timken to me is a fraud. And I think there may be other frauds in this uh, in this uh, Senate race particularly as well. I may have to play some of the audio to prove that, by the way. Uh, let me get a call from Frank in Brook Park, though. Frank, you're on AM 1420. The answer, go right ahead, sir.
0: Thank you, Bob. You know, we've got a lot of political stuff going on constantly about this and the lack of, lack of presidency and leadership. You know, you have the opening prayer
2: with Ronald Reagan, or you invoke him yes. anyway. Yes, yes
1: take on a second hour, we should have like the Our Father, you could have the Catholic version, the Protestant version, the Baptist version, uh, Jewish people call those and. but we need prayer and that's all I can say,
0: we definitely need prayer. Well, yeah,
2: yeah, we do, Frank. I don't disagree. And that's the saddest part about this, because prayer is becoming uh, more and more infrequent. It's being frowned upon. We know that God has already been kicked out of schools now. He's been kicked out of a lot of public places through um quite frankly evil leftist legislators and judges who are removing our religious liberty we can't pray frank we can't we can't practice our faith which is probably the only thing that could save us because they have taken away our religious liberty to do so saying we must bow to secularism we must bow to transgenderism we must bow to wokeness um you know we can cons- we continue to see this judges Kicking teachers out of classrooms, or rather re- refusing to restore teachers to their classrooms after they've been kicked out for refusing to use nonsensical uh, and inaccurate pronouns to describe people who have psychological conditions. Um, you know, so basically saying, look, my faith tells me to uh, refer to these people accurately and not as to the abominations that they want to scientifically create. And the judges are saying, you can't do that. Your faith doesn't count. So we are increasingly in a state of affairs where our faith is being attacked and our ability to save ourselves through faith and through our prayer is being limited as well. So you're right to call for it, and I thank you for the phone call. You're right to call for more prayer. Um, It may be the only thing that is left to save us. And I hate to say this. I really do. You know the old saying in the military about there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole? Because when your life is on the line, the last thing you have to resort to, even if you're an atheist, is to say, in case there is a God up there, uh, God, please save me. I feel like we're in foxholes right now. I do. The only difference is there are atheists in these foxholes. There are people who are watching this country burn and watching us really come to the edge of, Lord only knows what kind of of destruction. And... um, Rather than, than our prayers being offered together, there are, there are people who are saying, no, keep your mouth shut in this foxhole. That's a sad state of affairs. Okay, 10 o'clock. We'll get news now. We're going to come back, uh, and we're going to talk to Christina Hagen about a whole host of issues. Looking forward to her commentary next on AM 1420, The Answer.